Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. If you're a seeker, Don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening, Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder, Sander Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, Sacred International Journeys, a meditative CD, and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate your earthwalk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, starwalkervisions.com. Dr. Gibbs Radio Show on XZBNNet, coming to you from Toronto, Canada. If you are new to my show, you should know that my aim is to explore in depth and breadth five of the topics that I am most uh, interested in, which are in the news, they're very relevant, and they are all highly problematic. I believe that I offer approaches and solutions to each of these issues which I believe are unique and um, if applied can go a long way to um, taking the mystery and the complexity out of them. These issues include a revision of the training received by police and some citizens uh, in the service of effectively de-escalating actual and potential violence. A second issue is a proposal for effectively preventing and treating heroin and opioid addiction that is clearly out of control. If you've read the uh, recent stories from Chicago and other um, cities, uh, 
there is a widespread escalation of um, a, a terrible calamity that's happening with people seemingly government officials and health officials apparently um, in a state of crisis, overwhelmed by the problem. A third issue is describing and exploring the phenomenon of amazing coincidences referred to as synchronicities, which are clearly in the air. They're, they're sort of the interface between science and spirituality, uh, in which I offer alternative theories and alternative ways of interpreting them in the service of effective problem solving. And four, fourth issue is for those considering going into some form of psychotherapy treatment, answering, um, I will attempt to answer the many questions that you are likely to have, including such issues as how do you know you need it? What method is best? There are purportedly 365 different methods. You can't pick all of them, and you want to pick the best one. How do you know how to do that? How to find the best therapist for yourself? How does change come about? How long do you have to be there? How expensive is it? Why is it so expensive? And the likes. And I'm continuing to explore the fifth topic, which I call the truth about coping with anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress, usually without resorting to medication. Let me be clear, I am not anti-medication. There are many people in my practice, I'm a psychoanalyst in New York City, there are many people in my practice that uh, absolutely need medication, and they, uh, along with talk therapy, which I provide, they go to psychiatrists who provide uh, prescription medicine, and they absolutely need it. But I have also discovered that for many people who suffer from these um, symptoms uh, that they really do not need it. And I want to provide uh, evidence for that. And if you wish, try out my ideas on yourself, see if they're helpful. To review, this is, I believe, the 12th or 13th broadcast. Um, there is a basic, there's a core theme that unites all of these problems. And I'm also aware of probably adding a sixth and seventh as we uh, continue on. What do all of these topics have in common? From my vantage point, they are all ultimately concerned with the most compelling interests and in attempting to answer what I think are the core issues of everyone's life. This includes issues of identity. Who am I? What's my purpose? Is there a purpose? How do I know it? Do I have to generate my own purpose or is there some kind of answer man which will provide that kind of uh, self-knowledge? all leading to how to attain and sustain living the good life. These are, these are obviously major issues, and if you were to study them formally, you would be taking a class in um, in-depth speculative philosophy that deals with this. I might add that I majored in speculative philosophy in Columbia, and I dare say, and each of you who are listening to this may answer the question, have you ever read a philosophy book or paper? My hunch is probably not. Uh, if you are so inclined, I urge you after this broadcast to go to a used bookshop and pick up a gold mine of a book called The Story of Philosophy by Will Durant. And in that book, which I discovered when at the age of 19, when I was seeking answers to 
big questions, such as I outlined. Then in reading that book, which attempts to give the story um, of about 10, 12 major philosophers going back to Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, and the likes, and give an outline of where they lived, what some of their ideas were, their own words, and so on, and their contribution and how they added philosophy. And the important part about it for me is, is as I was reading this book on the bus uh, going from the bookstore to my home, I was absolutely enthralled with the fact that these people, some of whom were a thousand years old, were making more relevant sense to me than talking to my fam to my family. And I discovered that I wasn't as weird as I thought by discussing these topics. We'll have to take a break now. We'll resume in a couple of minutes. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Mnemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Mnemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today, Know the Name, Know the Person, or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere, or visit 
marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. This is the Doctor Ask Doctor Gibbs show, uh, second segment. Um, to wax philosophically, I think the best source of trying to deal with this material is to ask each of you who are listening to really tune in to the words I'm speaking and exercises that I will be giving you intermittently. Really apply this to yourself. I think it'll really stretch you. And um, I believe that everybody at heart is a speculative philosopher if you are at all interested in what is going on in your life. It has been said that most people sort of drift through life fundamentally asleep. They never really ask these questions because once you start to ask the questions, it's sort of as if you are taking the nails out of your own personal Pandora's box and really um, – in a way, you're looking for trouble because there really is trouble because we're all in this mystery together. And, of course, some of us uh, feel that uh, we've already got the answer and might be religion or you bought the propaganda of whatever or you're ensconced in your job and your relationships and you just simply react. You know, enough of this foolishness about asking these and trying to answer these speculative questions, which may or may not be accurate. Uh, most of us just – we have a, a routine. You um, get up in the morning and you're aware of your responsibilities. If you're over uh, 21, you probably have a job and you have a family to support and you don't think about the meaning of life. You just get up and brush your teeth and perhaps have a breakfast and travel and get to work and do your job, which you may or may not like. And then you hopefully you do. And then you come home. And for most of us, you have approximately four hours of free time between Monday and Friday, assuming you work those days, to uh, do what you would like to do aside from work. And uh, Saturday and Sunday, you probably collapse and uh, regain energy and strength to plow on. And in a way, you keep doing that until you die. And then after that, we're not really sure what happens. Or I'm not convinced that anybody really knows what happens. Do we just continue on in some form of consciousness and have a certain amount of energy and you go to sleep and you wake up and you expend the energy, like get rid of gasoline and then you have to go to sleep and regas and you get the point. Now, in the midst of all of that, of just simply reacting to life as it grabs us, there are those who really do are interested in those big questions. Like, what am I getting up for? Is it worth it? And if so, how do I know that? And you're faced with inevitable choices. What shall I do? When shall I do it? How much gas, how much energy shall I apply to a particular concern? Of course, if you really do that, seriously, uh, those, are, those are big issues. And if you do it and if you take that seriously, then you're really aiming to provide self-knowledge, knowledge of yourself, that the good life ultimately has to be what you make it to be. And if you um, buy into, let's say, propaganda or, or – this is what you're supposed to do, well, okay, then essentially you're projecting a, a goal which fits you, but ultimately you're the one responsible for making that choice. 
obviously we would like things to be pleasurable and easy. And sometimes it is. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. If we like our routines, we like our job, we like who we're involved with, and maybe we're creative and so forth, we can have a relatively satisfying life. However, I'm sure that everybody will agree that sooner or later – Something on the road of life gets in the way, and there are obstacles, inevitably, no matter how controlled we think we are or how free and easy things are, that uh, are like invisible barriers, and we tend to smash into them. And when that happens, um, easy often turns into hard, and our easy flow is interrupted by a certain degree of chaos. We call these places of interruption problems or issues uh, that you have to deal with. You may not deal with it, but that's your way of dealing with it, to just close your eyes to it and escape in one of a number of ways and so forth. The addicts of the world are essentially addicted to a particular substance, whatever it is, in order to try to even out their complex lives of, of difficulty and make them feel at least temporarily easy. So that things like alcohol and drugs and so forth are really trying to create a permanent, consistent um, state that you can rely on that is seemingly easier to tolerate than having problems and so on. Um, life from one perspective, might be viewed as a series of unending problems. And the problems, from my vantage point, tend to range between relatively simple, like what are we going to eat for dinner tonight, to extremely complex. One of the um, examples of complexity is, if you will go back to the preceding um, program, I ended up with a uh, story of Joe And Joe, I think, is a typical representative of most of us who gets up, does his thing as a police officer and does it well and is uh, noted for being uh, consistent and in control. And when he hits problems, he's usually very creative and he hangs in there and he doesn't duck out from responsibility. But every so often, life being what life is, uh, when it rains, it pours, and you can go from a relatively simple, not simple, maybe very difficult issue um, to a complex of overlapping issues, each one of them difficult to deal with in its own right. When you combine them, it's just extraordinary. 
Um, I urge each of you, if you're interested in this, to go back to that last session where I described in detail the problem of Joe. I think for me, the important part about it is that he was eventually, everybody like Joe has his own breaking point. And breaking points are not only major interruptions in one's uh, journey through life, but it's, it, takes the, it takes a huge toll because you tend to become overwhelmed with issues and overwhelmed by being overwhelmed. Now, overwhelmed with what introduces us back to the topic of uh, my, um, this broadcast. This broadcast, as I said, is named The Truth About Coping, Effectively Coping with Anxiety, Stress, Depression, frustration, usually without medication. Why those particular feelings? When you are bogged down with a problem and your attitude is overwhelmed, and then often the attitude to being overwhelmed is to feel more overwhelmed, the, feel, the, the overwhelmed part is experienced often as an accumulation of one or more feelings, usually anxiety, depression, stress, and frustration. I'm certain that each of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is, if you're a halfway uh, observant individual, there is no way where you can avoid the inevitable feelings that I've just outlined. At the point where you are overwhelmed, it is often felt as overwhelmingness as being quintessentially stuck. Let me give you an example of quintessential stuckness. Imagine that you are driving a car and you're on US-1 and unexpectedly you get an enormous feeling of being tired. You're really just exhausted. You want desperately to go to sleep and you figure that you can't, your willpower is not up to toughing this feeling out, so you feel in the best interest of all concern, you pull over on the road and you get off the, off the road and you figure you're going to take a nap, which you do. And it's a nice sunny day and it's great to go to sleep. So you do it and four hours later, you awaken to be extraordinarily surprised by the fact that there's been a major downpour and your car is surrounded by huge puddles of uh, water. You go to gun on the engine, and obviously you uh, deepen the, you, the wheels have no traction, so they're going to spin, and, you're, and the more you gun the, uh, the engine, you're going to sink further into the mud. That sinking into the mud feeling is how feeling overwhelmed by one or more of these feelings is experienced. What becomes critical then is your attitude to being overwhelmed with these feelings, which indeed is going to lead to a further deepening or intensification of feeling overwhelmed. So that <clears throat> when asked <clears throat> what your attitude is to anxiety, depression, frustration, stress, a usual answer is I hate each one and I hate them cumulatively. So when asked, what's your, what's your attitude to anxiety, people will often say, I feel 
anxious about it. The same with depression, frustration, and stress. So in a way, once you're stuck, then you get more stuck and further stuck, and it's sort of like having a shovel, and obviously you have to get out of the stuckness or get out of the hole that you're in, but it's sort of like taking the shovel and digging further in the hopes that you're going to somehow dig your way out of the hole, but the truth of it is that ain't going to happen. You're going to deepen it. So you got a real issue. And at that moment in time, you are going to be um, in deep mud. So clearly, you got to find a way out. Now, imagine being in a, indeed in the rainstorm and you're stuck. And if you gun the engine, you're going to get stuck deeper. You can all appreciate that kind of experience. You may have been in it. If that were so, what would you need to creatively resolve what would seem to be an unsolvable problem? Many people will come up with the solution is to either have the car lifted out, which is improbable, or pushed out, which is probably not going to work. And that obviously what you need is some kind of traction underneath one or couple of wheels so that you have a way of gunning the engine and getting out. Often the creative solution to dealing with overwhelming anxiety and the likes is to find the equivalent of psychological traction where you have to get underneath the feelings and you have to experience that you are more than the feelings. So you have a creative way of getting out. To cut to the chase, the answer to that question is you have to learn how to bear increasing um, amounts of these feelings, uh, anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress. As we go on, I will show you how to do it and the um, attempted cure I think for most people, if you take this seriously, is going to be truly mind-blowing. Uh, the solution is cost-effective. It really works. It doesn't take long to apply. And as I ended up uh, the last um, broadcast, I said that if the drug companies um, were to um, publicize uh, the solution that I'm going to give you, uh, I think that uh, half the – maybe more – of the uh, drugs that are needed would um, not be needed and they would suffer enormous financial loss so you know that the solution is ever going to be adopted by them. We will continue after the next break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. While science pursues fact, 
magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Gibbs uh, show. This is the third segment. I am a believer that the best place to do research, which is what I'm asking you to do, is to use yourself as a sample of one. In that view, I want you to uh, imagine the following. 
to give you a sense of how stuckness feels and what to do about it, I'd like you to go back into your life and pick some of the worst experiences you've ever had. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's early, middle, or yesterday morning. I want you to ask yourself in identifying, let's say, the worst experience you ever had. Ask yourself when it occurred, who were you with, when did it, hap when did it happen, and what were you most preoccupied with? You may be tempted to ask why why or what was it all about you need not ask yourself that it's too complex and you don't need it once you have located the particular trauma or terrible problem that seemed unresolvable in time and space I want you to try to remember if you were in it then and you made a prediction of what your life was likely to be like six months after the onset of that uh, indignity, what would it have been? Most people probably would say it would my, – my hunch is that uh, I was in deep doo-doo and that I might be – this might be it and that I would be totally overwhelmed and couldn't imagine getting out of it. Then the crucial question is if you go out – for six months, what actually happened? What happened to the problem? What happened to the intensity of the problem? And the good news is, and there is good news, that whatever the degree of trauma that you suffered from the original um, issue, the bigger, most important observation is that six months later, if there was a six months that you could uh, point to, was that you survived. And even if you had no therapy or no particular help, apparently you were able to cope in such a way that you were able to take what was overwhelming about one or more of these feelings, find a creative solution, if nothing else, other than to just simply give up and figure, all right, that's, I just have to bear it, and hopefully I'll get through it. And the truth of it is that most people who are not in therapy and don't have able help are managed. There is a cartoon that I like about a uh, man with a flowing beard on a Denver mountain that's hollowed out, and there's streams of people coming with all their possessions, and they're going to enter this huge, big, cavernous place, and obviously they're um, it's like a, a rescue center. And on a placard, he says, look, folks, the end of the world is not occurring, so you've got to learn how to cope. And that for most of us, that's what it is. It's like their problems abounding. Read the Times. Read read the paper. Look at what's happening. Uh, look at the headlines this very day. There is a rampant feeling of anxiety and tension, and things are uh, at a mess. There's never been more partisanship probably in our history than now. Things are polarized not only in terms of the United States, all over the world. There's doubts about authority and people making sense. Everything's challenged. No one seems to be trustworthy. There's a crisis. There are multiple crises, and within the midst of them, an important fact about anxiety and crisis is that the feelings that you have are contagious. So that if, for example, you're around somebody who's extremely uh, anxious and um, their minds are racing and uh, they can't think straight and they're feeling hopeless and helpless and, and such, 
if you identify with those feelings, often there's the sense of you're catching what they got and you'll become anxious in the wake of their anxiety. A way out of that is that you have to make some kind of boundary between yourself and them or a boundary between what's going on internally from what's going on externally. And you can be empathic and you can say like a professional, gee, this person's in deep trouble. Uh, I, I have a sense of how they feel. It's terrible. But that's not happening to me. It's happening to them. This is why surgeons, for example, do not operate on their children. If they did, they would be too closely identified and they'd probably be shaky and lose their concentration. So that most surgeons are often referred to as being cruel to the point of even sadistic, which in a way is a good thing because they have to be truly professional. They don't, you don't need somebody to tell you, I stayed up all night worrying about you and uh, I'm a little shaky, but I think I'll be okay because I had four drinks to calm myself down. That's not the kind of surgeon you want. You want the surgeon to be able to say, look, you're coming in tomorrow. Things are under control. See you at nine o'clock. You need them to be firm take you by the hand, tell you they, you'll be fine, and have you come in, do the procedure, and get rid of it. I want to give you an example from my own life that uh, played a life-defining um, uh, influence in my becoming absorbed with this particular material. I felt liberated when I was able to leave my hometown and go to Columbia University where I majored in philosophy. During that time, I had been aware of Plato's uh, comment about the good life in which he said, an unexamined life is not worth living, but exposed to countless ideas, each of which impressed me deeply. I took what I learned extremely uh, seriously, personally, and I found that when I read Plato, for example, he had the answer. And the next week I would read um, Aristotle's Ethics and believe he had the answer. Then the following week I read Spinoza's Ethics and he had the answer. And each one seemed to have the ultimate answer, but each one was had came at it from a different perspective. Taking those ideas and just living a life, as I did, going out, socializing and, and having to study and do papers and I realized that I was getting increasingly more confused. So I concluded that Plato probably has a good point. The unexamined life is not worth living. But I concluded for myself that the overly examined life is incapable of being lived because I, I kind of got um, stuck, what I call information overload. I'm sure many of you know what I'm talking about because I think that's the major malady of uh, today's living. I became so upset by this feeling of not being in control or confusion, it propelled me into feeling increasingly less secure. Then a trigger event occurred one day as I'm in my dorm uh, thinking about this material and feeling confused and confused about feeling confused. And I was looking out on Amsterdam Avenue through an open window from my dorm room and had a very weird and disturbing experience. And the weird and disturbing experience was that I thought I was observing external reality, what was going on on Amsterdam Avenue, through a blurry uh, piece of pane of glass, only to realize there was no blurry pane of glass. The window was wide open. Later on, I discovered that what I was experiencing was a very 
painful state called dissociation in which what seemed to be real was not real. It was blurry. It was confusing. I think I had a panic attack, and that panic attack uh, propelled me to call a friend who I talked with, and he said, you know, you need to see a psychotherapist. Something's not right. This was uh, in addition to other symptoms, like I was getting increasingly more depressed. I was um, feeling that the liberated feeling I had from living, from uh, having gotten free of my home was beginning to uh, crouch me, and I realized early on that the geographical solution to my problems was not going to be uh, possible anymore. And I discovered that, well, for about six months, if you go away from your issues, uh, the novelty will be to some extent exciting. But sooner or later, you take your baggage with you, and that's why the geographical solution doesn't work. If you have internal problems, you're going to have internal problems no matter where you are sooner or later. And this is what became overwhelming. I went to therapy. I went for the first time four years, twice a week. Uh, and then I went for another different person two years, twice a week, uh, all paid by me. I had no uh, insurance. So I was a dedicated patient. But I naively thought that the solution to my problem, if I needed psycholo you know, psychology or psychotherapy, was simply going to a therapist and being in therapy. I learned much to my surprise that that's not the case. It isn't just going to a person who calls himself a psychotherapist. You have to find the right person in which you feel unconditionally accepted and you feel that the person knows more than you do, that they're empathic and they have um, the wisdom of having some sense of being able to objectify your subjective experience and you have a very good positive relationship with them so in other words, it's not simply going into therapy. You've got to go into therapy with the right person. I didn't know that. So I came out of my first therapy experience in a way feeling very similar to how I had gone into it. I had made some kind of gains for just simply having lived for a few years. Um, and he was not – actually, he was a rather noted uh, authority. And he did give me some um, – important insights, which I used, and I think I did change, but I knew that the basic problem that I had was essentially untouched. I had a similar experience two years later with the uh, second person I went, so that I concluded maybe I'm not right for this thing called psychotherapy, or maybe even I was deposited on the planet, and I was really some weird alien that nobody could understand. Meanwhile, I pursued my studies, and I uh, got a master's degree in psychology, and then eventually I went uh, for further uh, education in pursuing a PhD. In pursuing the PhD, I had a life-defining experience where I was on a trip in a boat going to Haiti with my father, and I had collected uh, myriads of material for doing the thesis, which is a... Um, unique um, personal uh, research project. And I had probably a hundred different papers and uh, that I had a cabin and I had the papers on the ground. And my task of that day was to uh, take the material and organize it in such a way that I could um, find a way. I found myself in a circle and I found myself uh, going uh, unable to break that circle. 
And I knew that my task was I had to find a way to develop the thesis so I could reach some kind of conclusion. And no matter what I did, all roads led back to the circle. And at some point, I felt so frustrated, so upset. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was terribly frustrated. And the whole thing made me feel unbelievably stressed out. And I reached a breaking point in which I threw my hands up. And I remember saying to myself, you know, I got two choices. Either I'm going to somehow find a way to resolve this seemingly unresolvable problem, or I should rip up all these papers, throw them into the Atlantic, and just forget about the whole damn thing. The second choice was out of the question. My whole life was geared to getting a PhD for some reason or other, and I held on to it as if it was my life. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, quit. On the other hand, I also had a major insight that if it's left to my own devices, I was not going to finish this paper, that ultimately I needed help. And asking myself or allowing myself to realize I needed help was major because by this time in my life, I didn't really realize that I was suffering from a kind of pan distrust. I trusted nobody, including me. And I knew that getting out of these kind of uh, overwhelming circles this overwhelming stuckness was going to be my responsibility, and I couldn't really depend upon anybody else. And I had an illusion of self-sufficiency. And that day, I think I gave up the illusion of self-sufficiency and got very depressed. Depression. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www 
HolisticCancerFoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to the final section of Ask Dr. Gibbs show. Uh, I want to pick up where I, in the midst of uh, accumulating a uh, PhD, which eventually I did get, and uh, becoming a uh, psychotherapist, seeing patients, I realized that my symptoms were increasing and intensifying among them that propelled me into a third attempt, which was a 11-year psychoanalysis three times a week, no insurance. I remember feeling hyper-self-conscious. If I would just walk down, let's say, Fifth Avenue, I had the horrible experience of feeling that there was a person keeping notes and watching everything I said or did, even in my mind, and evaluating my um, consciousness. And I realized at the time, this is absurd. There is no bio- biographer you know, evaluating me and realized that what I was experiencing was feeling I was back home where I felt hyper-scrutinized by both my parents, and usually what they evaluated was I was failing life, or I was failing being me, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to leave my hometown and go to Columbia University, which I guess to some extent um, made matters somewhat better and somewhat worse. I had a 
seminal experience, along with the feeling of being hyper-subconscious, which I think is what most people often feel that propels them into some kind of psychotherapy experience. Imagine walking on your road of life and aperiodically on this walk, you do not see that there is an open manhole. So the cover is off and there's just a hole which is unseen. And if you walk over it, you'll fall into it. And this will happen aperiodically. So you don't know what's there, you just know the results of it, you don't know the causes. And if you're in this hole, you feel as if you are entrapped, that somehow you got into the situation beyond your, you know, you, you thought you were in control and now you're not in control. Then obviously the only thing you can do is just wither and die or find a way to climb out. Now often I would climb out, but I got increasingly more scared that this was going to continue to happen, which it did. And when it did, I felt totally out of control. I felt helpless. I felt hopeless. I felt I was being attacked by forces that were both internal and external. Willpower had nothing to do with it and scared me half to death. It also propelled me to read Sigmund Freud. And in reading Freud, I realized instantly that I need a different kind of therapy experience. I need psychoanalysis. I need to go deep. I need to get underneath the material. So I searched for an analyst, and this time I had a sense of who I wanted to choose and what I needed to get. And upon the first um, uh, introductory uh, consult with uh, Wittenberg, who turned out to be my um, analyst, I felt at home, which I had never felt in the six years I had been with the two other therapists. And I knew this was for me. And indeed it was. In the fifth session, I had a defining moment that I think is extremely relevant to the subject matter of effectively dealing with stress, uh, frustration, depression, and anxiety. As we were talking, apropos of seemingly nothing, I felt my body start to shake, my mind started to race, I was literally sweating, I wanted to make a beeline out of the office, um, and I, I felt terrible. And he looked at me and he said, um, you don't look well. He said, what are you experiencing? And I described what I was, what was going on. He said, um, oh, you're having a panic attack. Now that became crucial to me. I had had multiple panic attacks, but I never had a label. I never had words like the Helen Keller thing that she had felt water on her hand before but never had a word to describe it, that what she was experiencing was water. And from there on, she made an important generalization that everything that she would feel could be, would have a name. And that's precisely what happened to me. I had a kind of psychological Helen Keller experience that, that despite the fact that I had multiple panic attacks, I never knew what they were and, or falling into the hole. I didn't know that, what was really going on was that I was encountering material largely in the form of these negative feelings that made me feel out of control and I clearly needed help and I didn't want to have help and I felt weak and I felt like a failure and so on. That really what I was experiencing was a difficulty in regulating my own self-esteem. As he said, he continued to talk about anxiety and he said, look, 
I've been in business for 50 years. I have never lost a patient to a panic attack. You will be okay. So his words were reassuring. I got something that's temporary. Just hang on and listen to his words and listen to his soothing manner, which it was. So I felt calmed and reassured that he knew what was going on and that he was a master at dealing with this stuff, which indeed he was. He further said that uh, anxiety, he explained it. And he said it is a process that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. What it is, is that the forebrain, the natural basic brain of each person experiences whatever is being said or triggered off as a threat to the integrity of the self. It is as if uh, there is some real or imagined threat to one's existence by virtue of whatever was triggered off and that it shoots a adrenaline into this into the nervous system and adrenaline is used to act as a stimulant to prepare the system for fight or flight he further said what's your attitude to anxiety and i said i hate it he said that's your problem you have to be able to convert your understandable uh, antipathy for these feelings from negative into positive <clears throat> and a lot of the early therapy that i did was indeed learning how to bear increasing um, intensities of these kind of negative feelings, including the anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress, among a whole host of other feelings, such as ambiguity, not knowing, feeling weak, feeling helpless. If you will refer back to um, one of the broadcasts, I asked each of you to generate uh, on a piece of paper, all the feelings that you could imagine. And then on another paper, draw a vertical line, and at the top of uh, the two sections, put minus or plus, and then assign a value of plus or minus to each of the feelings that you generated. So you have a list of negatives and a list of positives, and then what you want to do is try to ask what are the positives have that the negatives don't. And ultimately, the answer is that you're more at home with the positives. Uh, they're more bearable than the negatives, which you hate and wish you didn't have to deal with. Now, the drug companies play on this. What they believe is uh, the problem underlying anxiety and depression and so forth is a chemical imbalance. So their solution is uh, restore the chemical balance. So how do you do that? Well, they say go to your doctor and uh, take note of the ad that we're going to be mentioning. And you'll try out the colorful pill of the week and you'll feel better within two weeks because it takes two weeks for the drugs to get in the system. And the truth of it is it does tend to work for many people. On the other hand, it's also very expensive. And uh, the side effects, if you look at any of the uh, ads on uh, TV, I guess in order to prevent them from being sued, uh, they warn you that uh, taking this little pill ultimately may benefit you. On the other hand, you've got to work for hell. Uh, sometimes get very fat, uh, you often lose your sex drive, and so forth. They don't, they don't emphasize that. They will tell you they're terrible uh, debilitating um, effects, but in, in Maine, the benefits outweigh the liabilities. Well, I don't think so. I think the cure is often worse than the disease. So they don't mention this. Other attempts at dealing with anxiety and so forth have to do with relaxation exercises and in a book that I wrote in collaboration with my brother called Attitude Shifting, and I urge each of you who may be interested to uh, 
go to um, Amazon, plug in Gibbs Williams, look for the book called Attitude Shifting, and consider downloading it for the extraordinary price of five dollars. And it's got all the material that we're discussing on the um, on these broadcasts and more that I think you will find extremely illuminating. Uh, in that connection, on Facebook, uh, if you're interested in um, uh, exploring this topic and other topics more, look for the Ask Dr. Gibbs um, URL. And on it, I urge you, if anybody is particularly interested in pursuing um, this topic more personally, uh, I invite you to be a guest on the Dr. Ask Dr. Gibbs show, and um, I'll work with you with respect to where you are and show you um, how to move yourself from being unstuck into a creative um, mode of um, – into a creative attitude, which will help you um, learn how to become an effective problem solver, which is what this show is all about. Um, I indicated that with synchronicities that they also start out with a seemingly unresolvable problem and the person feels stuck. And if your attitude to the stuckness is progressive and you're prepared to struggle with struggle, it'll turn on what I think is everybody's creative process. The show that I'm in now, the uh, topic of um, coping with stress and so forth, is really if you don't have a positive attitude to being stuck, you have a negative attitude, what do you do? And that's what this broadcast is all about, how to deal with the negative aspects of learning how to deal with this stuff. Well, I guess we've come to the end of uh, another broadcast. I urge you to um, tell your friends and family if you're interested, and I will pick up and see you next week. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in this is your sign to thank them and if you're that friend this is us saying thank you now get a sausage McMuffin sausage biscuit sausage burrito or hash browns choose two for $2.50 enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2 price of participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer a combo meal single item at regular price ba da ba ba ba